Welcome to the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast, where it is our mission to debunk the lies of the enemy and announce freedom to those still lost in the darkness and addiction. Welcome back to the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast. I am flying solo again today. Uh, Palmer is busy, so uh, my producer Danny is going to help me out with um, with this interview. It's a very important interview. We're coming off of a huge weekend with Kelly K, Kelly K Ministries, and he was in the studio yesterday. I hope y'all missed the catch, caught that. I hope y'all caught that. But I have somebody much more important uh, guest today. Um, my nephew Jacob Gallagher. He's in the studio today. He's going to tell us. A, a story of his childhood, and uh, and uh, well, I'll let him talk about that in just a minute. Jacob is uh, local, and um, what do you do? Uh, what are you doing for a living now, Jacob? I'm just uh, serving tables right now. Where at? At the moment, it's a Godfrey's. It's a little Jamaican restaurant right there right in Flowood. Right. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet deal. What else do you do? I'm uh, studying for my personal trainer certificate, and I've been uh, trying to get good. Trying to get better at doing tattoos. Right on. Here and there. Yeah, I do a couple right tattoos. So the importance of this episode is this. We've already done testimony episodes. We've already done topic episodes. And we've already got a, you know, kind of a big national name in here. This will be the first restoration episode. Okay. And what that means is um, throughout my addiction, I've managed to destroy and every bridge with everybody that I ever loved and cared about and at one point in time in my life. One of those bridges was the bridge that you and I had. And we were very close uh, since you were born. You and I were very, very close. And I'd like for you to go back and describe our relationship before you knew about my darkness and my addiction. You, um, well, you were my father figure for the longest you know, you were all I really had to look up to. I uh, I don't know. I never knew what it meant to be a good man, and you seemed like a pretty good man to me coming up. My old man wasn't there too much, and I don't know. You just showed me a lot of examples of um, being there, for, being yeah. there when you were supposed to be. You know, yeah. I've I've seen you uh, defend my just defend me. You know, from my from my mama's boyfriends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. You was always my father figure, and I always respected you a lot for that. Well, your mama got me in a lot of fights. She sure never did. Yeah. <laughs> she did, but uh, you know that that was I was just trying to pass on my morals and values onto you um, that that I grew up with were my father figures, my my grandfather, my uncle, and my father. Now, my father, uh, all, all of them, you know, uh, me growing up, uh, al- alcoholism was the norm, and. Um, so I thought that was normal, and so through that, you know, I, I did drink in front of you. You know, I did uh, consume alcohol in front of you and things like that. The other things that I was involved in, however, like the meth and the pills and all that stuff, I kept hidden. You didn't know about that. And it was the same, really, with your mother, too. It's like you didn't know your mother was in an active addiction until probably close to the end. Am I right about that? I was I was probably nine whenever I really mm-hmm. figured it out. But, I mean, my old man told me she always had a pill problem since yeah, I was born. She did. Know? And yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. She was always working, and, you know, she took mm-hmm. care of me and Caleb mm-hmm. and my old man, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so she was functioning and everything, mm-hmm. but she went off the deep end real bad, and it, right. it was hard to miss it then. Yeah, but see, you didn't know about it. Never knew. Yeah, and um, and it was the same for me. It's like I kept that hidden. 
right. from, uh, from, from everybody also. Like everybody knew about the alcohol, but nobody knew really about the other stuff. And, uh, and so, uh, well, you know, you, um, you know, your father, you know, he was a, a bad alcoholic. He was, you know, probably out there, you know, he had a past with some, I'm not going to get into his, his, uh, personal life yeah, or anything like that. But, uh, but, uh, uh, price, you know, it's like, but now, you know, your father is, uh, is a recovering alcoholic. He's not an alcoholic anymore from what I understand. I haven't seen him in a long time, but uh, from my understanding, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had a drop in a very long time. Mm. Um, so let's uh moving on past that. All right. So we know that all right, you um you know in your childhood, you know, you were surrounded by addiction pretty much. And um uh tell us and tell my viewers uh you know what was it like? All right, so your mother went through uh some boyfriends and things like that and uh you have a brother. You have a little brother named Caleb. Caleb and tell us a little bit about Caleb. Caleb's um he just he just turned eighteen not too long ago. He's he's severely autistic. He's um man he's great. He's my baby. Yeah. He really he's really why I kept my head on straight for so long. Cause we didn't have nobody like that for the right. longest, you know. And he uh he's great. He is severely autistic, and he's staying in the adolescent center in Brookhaven. But he's doing a lot better. Yeah, he's got some good education now, and he's in a he's in a good routine and everything, you know. So just to give uh, the viewers some uh, some history, um, Jacob and Caleb, they bounced around a lot throughout their childhood from family member to family member. And they, you might as well say that they kind of grew up in a foster home situation because there'd be periods of time where they were, they were with their mother and their father or just their mother or just their father or with me and uh, or, and. Uh, the the woman I was with at the time, and uh, after that their aunt and their and the other grandmother. I mean, it was it was a lot of bouncing around, and that affected you, I'm sure, in a negative way. Um, you know, you couldn't get settled anywhere. It was a lot of moving. You know, um, <clears throat> so moving on beyond that, um, let's see. Uh, I think you ended up. Where did you end up in uh, uh, Raleigh? Yeah, that's and, where uh, I graduated. And this is when you're you know kind of. Uh, teenager mm-hmm. and uh you graduated yeah that's great you uh, graduated at this point in your life and when you're about 18 um i don't know if you want to talk about this or anything have you experimented with had you experimented with anything or alcohol or by the time i was 18 mm-hmm. you said alcohol or anything i mean, I mean yeah mm-hmm. you, know, you already know yeah well i do but you know. i mean you know i was whenever i was in high school I, I went through a little you know clubbing phase i wanted to go drink on the weekends and mm-hmm. stuff but i mean i've tried like by the time I was eighteen, I might have tried Coke one time. Yeah, I think. But this Just tried year, it. Yeah. yeah. By the time I was eighteen, yeah. I mean, since then, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, all right. So another thing that uh, that I know about, and uh, so I mean, you you grew up fighting a lo- lo- little bit, didn't you? Like you you got in some scraps. Well, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they uh, say. Uh, <laughs> what, what's your record? you look like a savage, bro? Is what you look like, man. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that you know, you know, there was a lot of anger, you know. That's, yeah, yeah that's of course, of course. And uh, you know, issues from ha- you know having to deal with all this. Uh, you want to elaborate on that? No, nah, I mean, I was uh, just impatient, man, and I was just hot headed. And I've mm-hmm. always loved martial arts, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just there were other knothead kids, and they felt the same way I did, and so we all just blew off some steam. I reckon, looking back on it now, that's what it was probably. Yeah. But um. I don't know. I'm into martial arts now. I found martial arts, and there's a whole virtue in that, so I don't really try to 
I'm not trying to scrap it out in the streets yeah. like that no more, you know. So and I, also, uh, yeah. and controlling my emotions a little bit better now, so I don't get upset. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about, right yeah, there. Controlling their emotions. There's no reason for me to just scrap it out with somebody now. You know? Yeah, I'll call my lawyer. I got you. Oh, you got a lawyer on standby? <laughs> yeah. I might need to hit him up. Yeah. Um, all right. So at this point, we're you know, we're graduated. Uh, what happened after that? After graduation? Right after I graduated. Um. Well, my mind already passed by that point. Okay, well, I don't want to get to that point yet. Yeah. All right, so about this episode, okay, today is January the 8th, all right? So tomorrow is January 9th, all right? That will be the three-year... 20, yeah. The three-year anniversary of my little sister, Amanda, and Jacob's mother's passing, all right? So I don't want to get into uh, into that just yet. Uh, I want to talk about uh, just before that, all right, uh... There was a gap in period of time after you found out her lifestyle. Like, how did you find out about her lifestyle when you found out that she was full on in addiction? Like, um, uh, on the heroin and everything, you know, everything else that she was, you know, into. It's, it's honestly something I kind of always knew. Mm-hmm. So, so the first time I ever found out, you know, that it was ever thrown up in my face to where I couldn't, you know, hide from it. it was yeah. My old man told me. Yeah. I was like nine. Mm-hmm. And he, um, man, I used to play with like needle caps and stuff whenever yeah. I was real young. I didn't know what they was. They would just be laying around. And so I'd just be playing with them. And uh, my old man, one night, <clears throat> he told me she had a drug problem. I don't remember where exactly it come from, but he told me that she had a little drug problem. I called him a liar. Yeah. I called him a liar. And then, yeah, he, he hit me with some proof after that. So then it was undeniable. So I've always pretty much known. Since yeah. I was really young, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, uh, but you were maintained a relationship from the time you were nine up until, you know, probably 16 or so. 17. Yeah. 16 or 17. It's going to be 18 before I finally, yeah, gave up. But that's my mama. You yeah, know? of course. That's your mother. You love her. She lo- and you knew she loved you. Yeah. You, I mean, uh, uh, it just hurts you know, that, saying her like, like that. Yeah. And so it's long. like when you're in the throes of addiction, it's like, uh, and darkness, it's like, uh, man, you just, um, you're in bondage, you know. It's like, it's not like she was consciously just choosing drugs over you. Because I went through that with uh, my ex. It's like she always said that um, you're choosing drugs over me, and it's like, no, I'm not. It's like it just had a hold on me, you know. It had this stronghold. It's like, uh, it's really hard to describe. Yeah. And um, and even through all that, I, you know, I know, and I'm sure that you know too that, you know, up up until that day. Uh, I mean, to, you know, the last breath, she loved you with all of her heart and soul and Caleb too. And, um, all right. So m- moving forward onto that, we can get into, um, I want to talk about me for a second. So like leading up to those events, um, I had, um, I was full, I was in full blown active addiction with your mother. Okay. Um, I'd gotten out of jail in uh, Lamar County, and uh, the only place I had to go was to uh, where your mother was at. And um, at this point, I wasn't even on heroin, and I, I'd never even tried heroin. And uh, this was probably about a year before the passing. So um, so when I got there, um, you know, she, we had, I mean, she literally had a talk with me. She was like, okay, look, I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you and be real with you. Um, I use heroin, and you have to swear to me that you are never going to try this because I know your uh, your personality, and I know that if you get on heroin, it's going to kill you. 
This is what your mother literally said to me. And, um, you know, I mean, what can you do? I mean, I, I literally, you know, was around it for about a week and before I broke and I was, you know, I had to try it. Plus, it didn't help that she told me that I would love it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you will love this, but don't do it. Right. And I'm like, don't tell me that. It makes me want to do it even more, right. you know? So I did, and, I, and uh, you know, so it wasn't long after that. I'm a full-blown heroin addict, and, and it's not long after that that I start ODing, and she starts, uh, you know, she's literally having to resuscitate me, all right? So in all that, it got to a point to where uh, she got sick of resuscitating me, and, uh, you know, we got, uh, we had a talk. Uh, you know, she's like, I can't do this anymore, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I told you this was going to kill you, and you're doing it anyway. And uh, you know, I'm literally sick of watching you die. And uh, and just you know, at this point, like uh, I'd never seen your mother OD or anything like that. She, you know, she just knew how to handle it better. And I didn't know how. To, I was, I don't know. I, mean, I, I was not good, you know, with with it at all. I was very um, over the line with it. You know, I, I want you know. I mean, I is it possible to be a responsible heroin addict? Yeah, though? I mean, I mean, I mean it, um, like I said, she never, you know, got uh, made her stuff. She, she you know, knew her so, limits. Yeah, she knew her limits. I didn't care. I mean, I was just like, oh, I mean, if I got, if I got I, it, I'm gonna do it. Was it? it. Yeah. Well, is it? You know, is it a lack of responsibility or is it a lack of, you know, regard for your own life? It was on my end. It was probably just I didn't care. I mean, it was like a lack. It wasn't like a lack of regard of my own life. I cared if I lived or died. I just wanted to see about, about how high I could get. Oh, okay. You know, I'm so, talking about like I. I mean, if I did, so irresponsible then. Very irresponsible. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, very irresponsible. So, there was one incident, um, and uh, it's very important that I tell this story, where um, some I'm not going to name his name. He came to the uh, came to where we were living, and um. I was witnessing my first full-blown OD, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, your mother and I, we uh, we knew exactly what to do. You know, we, uh, I, I was giving him mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. She was doing compressions, and we got him back. This dude was full-on dead, okay? I mean, he was blue, not breathing. Do and, I know who you're talking about? Yes. Okay. All right. So we got him back, all right? So three months later... And I'm, now we can start talking about the actual, you know, before I get into that part, though, prior to about a year of her passing, where were you at? A year before she passed, mm -hmm. I was on, I think I just got kicked out of my mom's house mm -hmm. and I was staying with one of my friends. I was staying with one of my friends. I was still in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Just like working and trying to, trying to make everything work. H had you been hearing uh, from her, uh, um, Throughout that year, a lot. I mean, I mean y'all talk, know, communicate so every so often. You mm -hmm. know, she had tried to. She had wanted me to come in. Um, I probably shouldn't even move that far ahead yet. Mm -hmm. But I mean, every once in a while, we would be talking. Yeah, yeah. I gave her an ultimatum. Probably, probably around that time. Mm -hmm. What was the ultimatum? I mean, what'd you say to her? Get, get, get it together. You know, or I can't. I can't watch you be like this no more. Yeah, it's like it's like I love you, but I'm gonna have to love you from over here. I, re I really cannot watch you be like yeah. this no more. It's hurting me. It's killing me, you know, and I've been trying. I'd always put forth an effort. Actually, now that I say that it wasn't a year prior, that was probably about a month prior to her passing mm -hmm. when I gave her that ultimatum. Yeah. And you and I had already had a big falling out too. And, um, so leading up to the events, um, so 
I had witnesses, you know, my first OD. I'd already OD'd a few times, but I was literally witnessing my first OD. And then moving beyond that, Amanda, um, we had this talk, and she uh, she literally told me that uh, she was not going to resuscitate me the next time, that she was sick of having to do it, that I was breaking her heart every time, and that I have to go to rehab. All right, so I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to go to rehab unless you at least detox off of the heroin and the fentanyl. So she agreed to it. And um, it took about two weeks. We both detoxed. And um, it was a ter- it was the most horrific experience. One of the most horrific experiences I'd ever been through in my life was watching her detox because it was painful, not just for her to go through it, but I was going through it too. It was worse for her, but, I mean, it was it was awful. I mean, the sickness that came along with it, but she she powered through it. She fought through it, and she literally really wanted me to go to rehab. And I wanted her to go, too, but she was not going to go. It's like her excuse for it was like, you know, I've been through it. I know what I need to do. I just need a detox. And I, I swear to you while you're in rehab, I'm not going to touch it. And I was like, well, as long as – I was like, look, um, as long as you're off the heroin and the fentanyl, and what's his name, the one that I was talking about, Odin, doesn't come around or you're not around certain people that um, are using – heroin then i'll go to rehab but you have to swear to me that you won't so you know she agreed we got through the detox process and i waited about another week or so before i went to region eight and um got into region eight and every time i talked to her she was good she was fine she was good and then i got into my third week which was probably about a you know decent like right around christmas time was the last time i talked to her and um then um, on like my 27th day, I was about to finish my first 30 days. You know, um, the administrator was walking toward me in between breaks of these classes down the hall. And when he was walking toward me, I just got that feeling and I already knew. I already knew what he was about to tell me. And he, he came to me. He's like, look, you need to go to Big Jim's office and um, you need to make a phone call. And I was like, I already know. I said, shoot, it's my, my sister, isn't it? Because at this point, I hadn't talked to her in about eight or nine days. And uh, he's like, I think so, man. And uh, in that moment, uh, I felt something in me just break. But I didn't, it's like I, I went full on numb. And the first thing I wanted to do was go get high. And let me tell you something, I was thriving in uh in rehab i was doing really good i was committed to it and um and when that happened it's like something in me just broke i was completely broken but i didn't shed a tear i felt no pain i mean i didn't feel any it was just like something in me just you know yeah whatever. i do i really yeah. do and uh so i went to the office and um and i called you know i called jenny she was in florida and she she was the one that broke the news to me. And um did ask her, I said, does Jacob know yet? And she said, I don't know. And I don't know where to find him. I wouldn't know how to find him. I said, well, I don't, I don't know if I, I mean, I think, I said, I don't think he's at Crystal's. And uh, I, you know, I don't remember much exactly about that, but I do remember this. I had to wait about three hours for uh, another friend of mine to come pick me up. And, um, I feel really crappy about this because I went back into that classroom 
knowing I full well I was lying to these guys. And I told them, I was like, look, my sister just died. Y'all still, I got to lead the program. You guys stick to it. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go out there and use, I'm not, I mean, I'm good. I've got to go handle my, this, you know, you know, my sister's death and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I knew I was lying when I was saying it. I walked straight out there. I got into my friend's car and she already had a needle prepped and ready for me. It was not heroin. It was meth. And I took a shot right there in that parking lot. I left high out of my mind because I'd been sober for about 27 days. I mean, I was high. And um, I went straight to the last motel she had stayed in where, uh, you know, I knew I knew some people. And they, they had just seen her like a day before. I wanted info, you know. So um, I got in detective mode for a hot minute. You know, I was, you know, talking to everybody, and I got all these stories and stuff. And then finally talked to you. And um, I don't remember exactly how that conversation went. I know it was very, I mean, I, I think I, there was a shock. I was in some type of shock, <coughs> you know. You got to understand the relationship. I'm just for, my, for the viewers. You got to understand the relationship that Abandon and I had. She was like literally my best friend. People thought we were twins. You know, uh, everybody knew we were brother and sister, but everybody thought we were twins. She was hilarious. She was funny. She was annoying. Very annoying, but lovable annoying. And, uh, you know, a lot of people did love and care about her. And, uh, I think I was coming to the realization that, like, she was really my only family member left that gave a crap about me. You know, um, at this point, I hadn't seen my daughter in about two and a half years. I hadn't seen you in a few years. I hadn't seen Caleb in a few years. Mom and Daddy were gone. And I'm looking around me at this motel, and I'm literally accepting the fact that I'm going to be a full-on IV heroin methamphetamine user for the rest of my life. I mean, nobody cares anyway. I wasn't thinking clearly. Like I said, I was in some type of shock. And um, through that, I didn't have a dime in my pocket. I had no money. When I was coming out of rehab, the plan was for me to go back to where Amanda was. And I knew she was still using meth, but she wasn't using heroin or fentanyl. And then we, the plan was that we were going to probably try to move away from Jackson and get away from everybody and all of that, start over somewhere. And um, <clears throat> I, I saw that crumble. I have, you know, <clears throat> I had nowhere to turn. So I can't imagine what you were going through when you found out. So if you'd like to tell your side from where you were at and how you found out. I was, um, it was a Saturday morning, like at like 730, 8 o'clock in the morning. It was really early. I was with one of my friends that I was staying with. I was, it was my roommate. And we had, uh, the night before that, we had, we were just chilling, man. We went and picked up, picked up some girls and had us some drinks and was just riding around the city and everything. And, yeah, I fell asleep in the truck. We was out real late. And I woke up. We was we had <laughs> fell asleep in some parking lot. And uh, my phone was ringing. And, like, the sun was beaming through the truck. You know, that's how I knew it was early. It was really early. I had just turned 18, so I think I had been 18 for probably less than a month. And they had called me. Who called you? Um, it was um, I don't know, like a detective lady or some sh- something. It was a lady at first. Um, and she wouldn't answer none of my questions. She was just asking me questions like um, 
so I'd answered the phone and she was like, you know, it's uh is this Jacob? Is this Amanda Gallagher's son? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, well we was wondering, um, what what's her birthday and like her maiden name, you know, all that all that stuff. And I'm just like, why? You know, why are y'all asking me this? Oh, well, she had passed away this morning, and we, we found her passed away. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, what happened? You know, it's not like I didn't know what happened. But, no, she could. She didn't tell me nothing. But that moment was, um, I don't know, it was probably the same the same as it was for you because I didn't really feel no type, of, no type of way about it right then in that specific moment. I wasn't surprised, really. I was just kind of No, like, I wasn't shocked at all. I mean, I was kind of just like, oh, you know? Yeah. You know? I didn't really have a lot of time to... Process. Yeah, because they're just like, well, what do you want us to do with her? Where do you want us to send her? I just turned 18. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you've never been through anything no, like that. No, I, I don't know. Where, where, I wouldn't. I mean, I was in you know, my early 40s when that happened. I did, I'd never had to deal with anything like that yeah, before. Yeah, dude. And so know? I'm like, I'm... They're asking me what to do with her. I'm like, I, why are you asking me? And they're like, we ain't got nobody else to call. We couldn't find nobody else's number. Yeah. And that's when it hit me that there was nobody else to call, you know, mm-hmm. and that it was all falling on me. So I really didn't have time to process it for the longest, mm-hmm. you know. It didn't really I, it didn't really hit me until not too long ago because mm-hmm. I just I had to do something with her, you yeah. know. I had to put her to rest one way or another. Yeah. And I was working in a chicken house. I was on probation, so I was working in a chicken house making just enough to, like, eat and pay my probation officer and I was yeah. still in high school so I didn't have no kind of extra money you know yeah so well, I didn't know what to do I ended up just hanging up and not calling them back yeah for at least a day I had to talk to Crystal and ask her what to do yeah well that hadn't happened yet so I mean I was in direct communication with that same detective and the coroner stuff but I'll get to that in a minute so what what I had to deal with after that you know going into like day two and day three after the fact was like I was finding out all these details of the circumstances of what had happened. So there were, there was the two things. There was the truth and there was lies. Okay. And it was hard to discern what was what. All right. So I'd heard like multiple different stories of what had happened the night before, during, and after. One of the stories was this. Uh, She was at, I'll say, I'll say this one's name because she's, dead anyway, but uh, she was at Tiffany Wingate's house in uh, Jackson. And uh, the fellow I was talking about that we <laughs> resuscitated was uh, was there too. They had come in, uh, uh, gone, this was the first story, gone to bed, and uh, Daniel had left, oh, I said his name, anyway, <laughs> oops, All right, he had left, and, uh, and, uh, Tiffany had gone to bed, whatever. Well, Tiffany woke up the next morning, and she found her that way. All right? That was, that was the story that was fed to the police. Well, a lot of um, Amanda's friends had started contacting me and sending me screenshots of text messages that they had had with Tiffany and the dude. And uh, I'd gotten a story from Tiffany. I'd gotten a story from the police. And I'd gotten a story from the dude. And they were all three different, okay? I knew that what the police were telling me was what they knew, which, you know, so that they didn't know. You know, they just pieced together what they came with those two stories, and it was all lies. So then I got all these text messages, screenshots of conversations between Tif- Tiffany and people and the dude and people that were in text messages. And I'm not going to get into all that, but I pieced all together exactly what had happened. And what had happened was this. 
they had been to the casino, and uh, the dude had knocked out some dude with a shot of fentanyl and robbed him. Your mother didn't know about that. And I talked to this dude that they robbed. I know he's telling me the truth. So a couple days later, um, your mother had contacted him with his wallet. His credit cards and his license and stuff was still in there, but all the cash was gone. I don't remember what the amount was. And then um, two nights later, or that night, um, big argument at Tiffany's. The next morning, uh, something had happened that night. Amanda had OD'd, and Tiffany and the dude freaked out, and they had moved her body, positioned it, laid out all kind of stuff, you know, to make it look like it was accidental, and waited a full 12 hours before they called AMR. And then um, Tiffany made or, or, you know, uh, told him to leave, and they devised that story like he was not even there. So I, I was able to piece all that together through conversations through text messages that Tiffany and him did not know that I had, you know, I'd had. So yeah. it was just this big mess. All right, so while all of that is going on, I'm, I was also trying to figure out what to do about your mother being in the coroner's office. So it was a couple of her friends' bright idea to come to me because they knew I didn't have any money. They knew I had no way of coming up with any money to do a Facebook fundraiser. And th- this, is, this is where things really fall apart between you and I. But you, at the time, you didn't know all of that was going on. And, you know, now you know. And you know what I'm about to say. But So at the same time that they come to me and they say, okay, do this Facebook Live, I mean this Facebook fundraiser, and uh, see what you can raise out of that. And, uh, and I did. I started one. And it pretty, quick, pretty quickly raised about $1,000. You know, your mother knew a lot of people. And um, so then they came to me and said, hey, look, let's take this thousand. We'll get us a room over, off, you know, um, on frontage over there, one of the motels. We'll, uh, we'll get a, um, we'll get an ounce of dope or a couple ounces of dope. We'll flip it. Then you'll have $3,000. You'll have plenty of money to have your sister cremated and then have enough money for you to have somewhere to live, you know, get you some place to stay or whatever. None of that took place. All right, these, these people flat out took advantage of that whole situation. And knew, knowing that I was so focused on finding out what happened to Amanda, oh, we'll sell all this for you, you know, we'll, we'll do all, you don't have to do anything. That kept me high, of course. I mean, it wasn't turning it down. And uh, by the end of it, there was no dope left, no money left, no motel room, and then I'm left with nothing. Now, you knew that this Facebook fundraiser was going on, and you knew how much it had raised. So the time came when you called me and... We're like, hey, me and Aunt Chris. You called me. I was oh, yeah. at work. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I knew that I had to call you and tell you exactly what had happened. Do you mm-hmm. want to? Yeah, I was a, I said, I, I told you I was working in the chicken houses. Yeah. I was at work in the chicken house that day, trying to make me some money, trying to pay off my probation officer and everything. And 
Yeah, that was whenever you had called me. I wasn't even. I wasn't even right. trying to think. I about did. That. I had to call you because whenever you because whenever you started the fundraiser, look, I was you know I was tripping about it because there was the day they told me, and I was stressed that whole day, and um, it wasn't too long after that you and me had gotten touch, and you know you told me that you told me that you was gonna figure it out. Yeah, and um, I didn't believe you anyway, you know, but you you had made that fundraiser. And it and it was it was putting up some money and I was like okay well this is gonna be all right this is it's all gonna be okay I didn't know that you was in control of it yeah I was like surely he's he doesn't have control of that money but you did mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that yeah and uh so I thought it was taken care of and you had called me that day and you was I'll never forget that phone call John you was you was you sounded panicked I was you was like man Jacob I can't do this I'm 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 tripping. I'm I'm cracking up. You know, I, I can't handle this. I'm gonna need you to take over from here. This and that. And I was like, okay. Um, I just need that money that you raised up, and I I got it taken care of. And I don't got it. I don't got it. I literally had to tell you, and I told you the truth. I did not lie. You didn't. You didn't tell me anything right then. You was just like, I didn't have it. Yeah. And I was like, um, where where is it? You know, what where is it? What happened to it? Like I didn't already know right, right. then. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just hung up on me. You hung up on me, and you didn't answer the phone again. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what. I panicked. Yeah, so I, did, I panicked. So I got left in that. Yeah. So I got left in that, and then I had to figure it out. You didn't tell me where she was. I, yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know what funeral home she was at or nothing. So, you know, I had to call the owner of the chicken house right then. I had to stop working. That's what really upset me. I had to stop working, and then I was just calling funeral homes for the rest of the day until I finally found her, you know. And whenever I found her, they told me what the situation was, and they wanted $1,000 to get her cremated. Which was exactly about what I had. It was exactly raised. what I yeah. didn't have. Precisely right. what I did not have. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I told them the situation. Yeah. You know, I told them what was going on, and I told them what was going on with me and you. Mm-hmm. And um, they ended up um, doing it for 500 that was mm-hmm. like you just come up with five hundred and we got you, we got you iron and everything. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's cool. It was a really crappy situation. It was a really crappy thing that I did to you. Well, it gets worse. I know. I it know. gets worse. Did you know how I come up with that money? No, I, I mean I do know, but if you want to talk about that, go for it. Uh, nothing good, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wasn't always a, a hard working, you know, gen, genuine. I didn't always make honest money. Yeah. You know, and to get that five hundred, I had to. Yeah, oh. I had, I had make some ends meet. You know, I had to do some. Was it a, was it an only dudes fan? Uh, only, only dudes page? Uh, no, it was a uh, it was a uh, <laughs> it was some robbing, some stealing. Yeah, I mean, you broke some laws. Yeah, and uh, I come up with that money. I mean, I, I made victims. You know, I took people's things from them yeah. right out of their hands. You know, and uh, then my high school found out. My my high school found out about her, and the whole time I'm robbing people, they're uh, man, they're taking up money at the school. So I come up with this five hundred dollars, and then I come into school the next day, and they had took up five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I robbed like ten, you know, twelve people to yeah. come up with it, and then they had raised all this money up. That really hurt. I was already at that point in my life. I already didn't want to be a criminal. You know, I already figured I was I could do something besides be a criminal. And then that happened, and I just you know had to revert back to my old ways, and then. You got to do what you got to do. Well, yep. I mean, for no reason. Didn't nobody tell me they were taking up money at the school? They yeah, you had f- no idea, though. You had no idea. Man, they handed me that $500, bro, and I about crumbled. It hurt really bad. It hurt really bad. And, I mean, what am I supposed to go do? You know, give them their money back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and be like, hey, sorry for robbing you. Yeah. You know? 
it wouldn't. Uh, yes. well, I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through all that. You know, it was a really crappy thing that I did. You know, um, and um, and I don't expect you to understand. You know, to to know uh, the state of mind I was in. You know, uh, I was probably in the middle of a mental break. You know, I take full accountability of everything I did because I chose to do those drugs, and I was, and I and I knew what came along with doing those drugs. So I'm I'm held fully accountable for every, all of my actions um, from then out. And um, so I just kind of, you know, disappeared off of that. And uh, I ended up, you know, I ended up homeless, wandering the streets of Jackson for several months after the fact. I didn't go to your mother's memorial. Of course, I wasn't invited, which was understood. And, uh, and then, uh, man, I was looking for you. Man. How did you feel about me at that time? I was looking for, like, was, what, what do you think would have happened if we, if we would have crossed paths? I was actively looking for you. Yeah. For real. I wasn't happy with you at all. I know. And, uh, I don't know. I was really hoping you wouldn't, wasn't going to show up to that because I didn't know how that would have turned out. I don't know. I don't know. To be honest with you, yeah. John. I mean, you were fear. I'm sure the, I was the rage a, that came along, the anger, furious. the furious. Yeah, well, I, th I believe that some hands would have been thrown. Yeah. And rightly so. Yeah, probably. And you might have whooped me, but you'd have known I was there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, okay. I was, right. I was really upset with you. Yeah, I know, man. And I didn't see you for, you know, years and years after that. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get to that. But I don't I don't know what would have happened, to be honest with mm -hmm. you. Nothing good. No, I know. It would have been, you know, it would have been deserved, you know. Like I, you know, this was this was what this podcast is all about, and and what I want this to reach is I want this to reach people that were in the same state of mind and situation uh, of that darkness and that bondage and that addiction that I was in that has family and friends that they've destroyed bridges with to know that there is a happy ending to the story that there is that there is restoration that there is uh you know uh, that bridges can be rebuilt and um and and um. You know, it, it didn't just happen for me and Jacob overnight, of course. You know, it, it took a long time. It took, I, I think, three and a half years, on, maybe even four. I mean, it's closer to four years. I mean, well, I mean, even before well, that, it's not right like at, I wanted to hang out. You know? Yeah, even before that, it's not, I mean, there was a couple of years before it that. We didn't even see it. It was a long time. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're talking about a good five-year gap here, okay? Right. Let's call it five years, okay? So we're, uh, so uh, after the fact and after the, you know, I, I destroyed this bridge. Well, as I was saying, is like what I want this for people to know is that there is restoration. Okay. So we're going to get to that now. All right. So about, so we're coming up tomorrow on the third year anniversary of your mother's passing. Right. And, uh, before, okay. All right. So well, I guess it was about a year ago when you reached out, right? About a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, it was winter time. It was last year. It was, Yeah. It's pro right. probably, yeah, right out a year ago. All right, so yeah. before, so before you contacted me, uh, what was your situation? Like, where were you living? Like, you know, tell me what you where where you were at and what was going on. Well, um, I got out towards Hattiesburg, Laurel. I don't know if y'all know who Laurel is, but that's where I was. I, um, I don't know how I ended up there. I was I was selling drugs. I was selling drugs in Laurel. That's what I was doing right before I called you. And the reason I called you is because I was, um, I was gonna be homeless. Yeah. You know, I was selling drugs and it was working for a while, but my phone got broke and I couldn't, couldn't nobody get in touch with me. Yeah. And I couldn't get in touch with nobody, mm -hmm. so the money flow had stopped. And um, 
<clears throat> I was talking to my dad. I didn't know what to do, and I was running out of options. I couldn't pay my rent no more, and, you know, I was going to get kicked out. I didn't have no car or no real job or nothing. And I didn't know what to do, and uh, I was just talking to my dad, and he's the one that had told me that, you know, you were back doing good and everything. But you didn't know that at this point. I mean, I, I had heard that. Mm-hmm. He had told me that months prior to this, way yeah. before I was in this situation, mm-hmm. and um, I just didn't want to hear it. Yeah, you know, I just didn't want nothing to do with you. I also wasn't desperate, you right. know, and I didn't need no help. Yeah. And then there was a time where, like, I was desperate and I needed some help. And uh, that's really the only reason I reached out to you because mm-hmm. I didn't have no other option. And my old man told me that I should. You know, he told me that uh, it was like you need to bite your pride, bite down on your ego. You know, I know a lot happened with y'all, but you need to, you know, this is this is your only option. It's either this or you're you're probably going to be homeless pretty soon. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's ultimately why, why yeah, I called you up. Yeah. You know, and you was all the way with me coming out there and put me on your couch and let me work with you Absolutely. and everything. So, I mean, it changed everything, you know. It did more than change my situation. I mean, it changed my outlook on a lot of things, too, mm-hmm. you know, because I did. I, I, I probably hated you mm-hmm. and only wanted to do harm, you know. Yeah. But it was just something I was holding on to a long, uh, for a long time, a lot of anguish and a lot of anger. And grief. Yeah, and, and I mean, it felt, it felt good to see you in the situation you were in, you know, which is a good one. It felt good to see you not – Doing dope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like he said, you know, like he said earlier, he looked up up at me like a father figure. Right. This is where he got his morals from, his family values and things like that. And then he saw all of that fall apart. You know, you know, he probably had probably had me on a little bit of a pedestal for a little while, you know, because I had, you know, I had a great job. You know, I kind of had it together. And then uh, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was looking at me like, how did you how could you destroy all that? How could you just you know, cause all this chaos and destruction, and how could you do this to me? I'm sure you looked at me like that. Like, how, how could you do that? How could you let you do that to my mother? You know, I'm, I'm sure a, a lot came with that. Well, I looked at everybody like that. You know, there there, there was that point where um, wasn't nobody real solid. Yeah. You know, wasn't nobody real solid coming up. But, yeah, like you say, you were the one, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I was always scared of my dad because, like you say, he was a raging alcoholic. Yeah. So I was more scared of him than anything, you mm-hmm. know. And, like, if he was locked up or if he wasn't around, that was a good time to me, you yeah. know. You would come in, you would be there. I had seen you and my old man fight over me, mm-hmm. you know, but because of the way he treated me. Mm-hmm. Just, like, stuff like that. You're right, dude. Hey, I, not just him. Uh, Nick, you know, that other lot Yeah, <laughs> lots of people. You I mean, know, lots of people. You, I didn't put up with it. And it just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you taught me a lot. And it did hurt really bad whenever I started because I was young whenever I started realizing everything. Before yeah. I ever moved in with you and Yeah, you had to grow up lady. really fast a long time before yeah. your mother passed yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, I know that. And then um whenever I did move in with you and you know, your old lady at the time, I'd already known what was going on mm-hmm. and I'd already known what to look out for. Mm-hmm. So I knew you were off on it. Yeah. By the time I was like 11. You know, I didn't know that. I didn't oh know yeah. You. Oh yeah, pretty much it, it didn't take me being long. I moved in with y'all. Uh, and then you remember we went and stayed with Mama for like a summer after that, and then yeah. we come back to Pearl. By the time I come back to the Pearl, everything had changed so much. I was just like, oh my god, man! I think I think my uncle's yeah. a junkie. See, when you're out there on meth like that, and you, and you can ask any method or ex method, this is like you think you're normal and you're not. Yeah. You, know? you see how people act in public, like groceries or st- stores and stuff. You, you, it's obvious that they're on some stuff. Yeah, and, but this is like a three month interval. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you were, were, you were offshore. I think whenever I left, yeah, you were offshore, and like you, like you say, you had always had a drinking problem, but you weren't like you know, 
off no. in the sauce like that. Oh, By the time yeah. well, I come back, bro, it was three months. Yeah. It was three months, yeah. and I come back, and I was really excited to be back in Pearl with y'all because yeah. it wasn't like that at first. Yeah. By the time I come back, you were already off on the deep end, yeah. and I could see that. You, you know see, in saying? the in the thirty years that I was in addiction, it's like there would be gaps where I wouldn't use hard drugs. It'd be like a there might be six months, there might be a year, there might be a year and a half. You know, gaps where I wouldn't use any meth or pills or anything like that. Yeah, there would you know there would be those gaps, but it was always alcohol up to that point. You know, I mean it, that was always there. So I mean I was always an alcoholic. I was always a drug addict on some type of drug. Yeah, you know, but when you but um, I got really bad on meth that summer. You know, I can't, I think uh, what had happened was it was the people that I started hanging out with is what it was. It's like, and they, and uh, throughout all of my addiction, all of the, those 30 years, that's how it was for me. Like if it was around, I was doing it. You know, yeah. if it was on the menu, I was doing it. If you liked it, I loved it. And I tried to do more drugs than you did. And that three month gap right there, I remember it very well. Uh, there was a fellow that came around, I'm not going to name his name. Um, that moved actually lived lived with us. He moved in and he always had it. You yeah. Know? So oh, I know who you're talking about. Too. Yeah, I know you know who I'm talking about. Yep. But anyway, back to uh, all right. So let's get let's let's get back to where we were. All right. So all right now you you uh you reached out. You called me. Um, you probably didn't believe what your father had told you about me. Uh, you probably didn't believe that you know I'd straightened out my life and this that and other. So when when that first conversation we had was really good, it was good on the phone, and we talked for a little while, and I, I could I could literally tell that you that you had something you wanted to ask me, but you didn't want to ask. And I think I asked you like, well, "Are you all right? Is everything okay?" I mean, I know you know, and uh, and you finally did. You you told me you needed some place to go. I said my door is always open to you as long as I've got a roof. You've got a roof, and. Uh, and I think it was just a couple of days later. I was we were on our way to come pick you up, and I did. And we picked you up. And I know it was. I can tell you, uh, it was very awkward at first. It was very awkward, and uh, but I think by the time it was about a two hour, two and a half hour drive or something like that. But uh, you know, we did cut up and laugh on the way back. I remember it was very cold and rainy, and the windows didn't roll up in that particular vehicle. <laughs> it was freezing, so we didn't do a lot of talking because we were miserable. Yeah. You know. But I think, you know, when we got back to the house, you know, and, uh, you know, we, I think it was a couple of days and we finally had a real talk, a face-to-face real talk. Do you remember that conversation? We had a couple of them. And we had a few. Yeah, we had I mean, I, But the conversation we had about everything that had transpired between you and I yeah. as far as that whole situation. And um, I think before this conversation, you hadn't really fully given, uh, you know, you know, uh, forgiven. So I'd like to hear more about that. Like how long was it after we got around each other that, that you started to realize that like, this is real. Like he really is, you know, the man that he was born to be, you know, heading toward that, you know, the man he was intended to be all along that he truly is a sober man and for whatever, you know, and he's on fire for God. So when did you realize like, you know, that forgiveness was, like, complete and total forgiveness was possible for us? Um, it, mm, I'm, I'm, pro- I'm probably still working on that to this day. Okay, that's fair. I'm probably still working. I mean, it takes a long time. Yeah. You know, it didn't take me long to, 
I don't know. I seen what you was doing and I seen what you was up to. You know, you're moving around and you got your businesses that you're trying to get established and everything. So it's like, okay, he's too busy to be doing this. You know, but there was always that layer of like not trusting you and mm-hmm. being uncomfortable in your house and in your situation because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen you in so long. And then the last time I did see you, you were, you know. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. I, I, I do remember that there was a point where I think I was on, I think I was tripping on acid or something. You know, I didn't stay with you that long. No, no, you were only there for about a week or two. Yeah, so I, I was tripping on acid. And, um, man, for, for me, all throughout high school and growing up and everything, I always felt like it was unfair, the lack of family, mm-hmm. you know, and the lack of a support. Because I feel like all the kids my age and everybody around me, like, there was always somebody you could call on if you really needed something. Yeah. And not me. You know, I always had to just figure it out. Well, you always had, you always had, um, uh, your nana, my mother. Well, she passed along. Yeah, I know. I know. So you had, you were, you would, you didn't have that anymore. You didn't didn't have your other mama. You know, you hadn't had me. Your mother was gone. So I felt really, really lonely. Yeah, I'm sure you felt very alone. And for, I mean, that, that, kind of evolved into a mentality that I don't need nobody else. Yeah. You know, and that I'd be all right by myself anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think yeah, I think it, I think it took me. Um, I had a revelation one night. Mm-hmm. I was mad. I was like, yeah, dude, I think I think this will be okay. You know, I, I'm gonna have to start trusting this a little bit more, and then maybe I won't, you know, hate my life because I'm so lonely. You know, maybe I do have a family left. If anybody asked if I had family, I, I don't got no family really. Yeah, and it, and it like I said, it, it was um, I just appreciated the fact that there, but my family was around. Mm-hmm. more than anything else mm-hmm. so i just i mean i wanted it i wanted it i was so mad at you i didn't see myself forgiving you but i wanted a family so bad that you know it allowed me to allowed me to let it go yeah you know you gotta want love mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying you gotta want love and family and good people around you or otherwise you're just gonna push it around push it away and you're talking about your your testimonials for the you know for the people that are in the addiction well, it's about, not just that. We'll I mean, talk. We'll talking about you know you can come back from it and rebuild your bridges yeah. and everything. But mine is you know to the people that are in on the other side. Exactly. Of it. That's why. That's why this episode is very important because yeah, so you're you're coming from a standpoint of of the person that was hurt. Yeah. And I'm coming from the standpoint of the person that did the hurt. Yeah. Well, see, my thing, and it goes deeper than that. Well, Mama, you know, I um, I guess my message would be uh, to not give up. On the junkie in your family, yeah, don't give up because yeah, it, uh, because like I told you, I gave her that ultimatum, and then a month later she was dead, dude. Yeah. And I always regretted that because mm-hmm. I tried for a long time, but I always felt like I didn't try hard enough. Yeah, you know, and I wondered if I wouldn't have never made her choose if she would still be here. Yeah. You know, because I put so much pressure on her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know, just like, just like, um. You know, she just like I was. She was just in straight up bondage, man. She was, you know, she had chains on her. She had strongholds that she, that she had demons that she couldn't face. I mean, it was, um, you know, she went through all the loss with mom and, you know, and, and uh, you know all the, the abuse she took from several men over the years. You know, I mean, uh, I'm, you know that, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, it's hard, man. And um, and and you know, she turned to drugs. And um, it ended up getting its grip on her, and um, unfortunately, you know, she didn't. And I could never understand that, dude. I could mm-hmm. never understand, like, see, that was, that was my problem, dude. I didn't see her as a as a victim. 
You know, I seen myself as the victim. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It took a lot for me to understand that my mama just had a really hard life. Yeah. And some things happened to her that she just wasn't strong enough to handle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And now that now that I'm old enough to understand that and I can I can feel that it 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 sucks, dude. Yeah. It sucks that I didn't give her everything I had. Because yeah. I could have gave her more. I gave up on her. I gave up on her. I'll always regret that. Don't give up on the junk in your family. Yeah, because, you know, like a lot of people, um, I had a guest a few weeks ago. Her name was Jelana. She uh, she used to have this outlook toward uh, addicts. So she, they would literally make fun of them, and they'd see them in public, and they'd make I mean, fun. me too. Yeah, they'd make fun of them. And um, what she's come to realize now, um, you know, after some things that she's been through in her right. life, is that that's somebody's mother. Yeah, it's that, a, and it takes something like that to, to realize. It takes your mama being a junkie to realize, yeah. you know, these yeah. are people too, and they're just horribly, they have a horrible disease. That's exactly what you're It's a horrible, exactly. horrible disease, and it's um and it's something you got to fight against. You can't just stop doing dope one day, you know. All y'all out there that smoke cigarettes and the vapes and everything, I mean, just imagine how hard it is to put that down. Yeah. This is a mind-altering substance yeah. that, you know, changes the chemical compounds in your brain makes your body feel like you have to have it to live that your body actually literally uh wants it as bad as it wants oxygen yeah and it um yeah it took me so long to it took me now that i understand that it hurts and i'm sorry mama well let me tell you something your mama loved you it may not have seemed that way toward the end but she did and uh, she loved Caleb with all her heart and soul. And, and uh, let me give a shout-out to my little niece, Bailey Runnels. She's watching the live right now. Um, I love you too, sweetheart. And, um, you know, we we are, you know, we are still family, man. You know, I'm, I just uh, was coming down Clinton Boulevard the other day, and I saw her for the first time in front of my eyes in, like, probably four or five years since before, you know, you know since uh, Nana passed away. Yeah. And I've seen several Hundreds of pictures, you know. Yeah, but there she but, uh, is. There she was right over. there. I'm talking about she had somebody pulled over at Landrum Street. Stand. I was like, there's my beast mode. There yeah. she is. Yeah, for sure. She's hardcore, too. Yeah, Clinton. she's hardcore. Clinton's right there by South Jackson. I'm telling you, dude. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, she's had a rough couple of weeks from what her mother-in-law That's a rough area. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, let me tell you something. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of Bailey Runnels, my, my niece. I'm so proud of my daughter. Bailey, I'm so proud of Caleb. I'm so proud of Andrew and Brody. You guys are straight up generational curse breakers, man. Not one of y'all fell into the trap of addiction. Or you, if you, if you, you know, you, you probably experimented. Some, some of y'all did whatever, experimented some things or whatever, but it did not get a hold of any of y'all. The alcohol, the drugs, or any of that. Every one of y'all uh, graduated high school. Um, you know. You got you, you. You saw the darkness, you know. Growing up, with uh, I know uh, Big Belly did. I know you did. I know Andrew did. Y'all saw every bit of that, and y'all made the conscious decision that I am not going to end up like that. Yeah, and I don't know how we were so lucky. I really don't. We. Well, um, I have a theory, but you probably don't want to hear it. Um, but I mean, it's all Holy Spirit, man. Yeah. It's all Jesus for me. Yeah. What, what pulled me out of it, and I know we've had these conversations, and we don't have to go there. But for me, it was Jesus, and it always will be. So, anyway, I mean the 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 way the the way the cards were stacked against us, you know, we didn't have no chance. No, no, y'all didn't. I mean, y'all had y'all had the world against y'all, man. Y'all grew up grew, um, pretty much grew up without you know any supervision. <laughs> you know, no, no, you know, I mean, you had Nana. <laughs> 
yeah. But um, Nana wasn't even Nana was Nana yeah. was more like a support system. Yeah, Nana she was, was a support the, system for she sure. She was the just the most genuinely sweetest person you've yeah. ever met in your life. But she was that also come with her being an enabler a little bit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying she um you can never do no wrong, and no, she seen the best in everybody. And mm-hmm. I loved her. I loved her, but she was more like um for me, she wasn't like um. Like an an authoritative figure, she, right. was, she was more like somebody mm-hmm. I just wanted to make proud. Yeah, but, you know what I'm saying. But you're right, man. Y'all had y'all had the the cards stacked against you, and every one of y'all overcame all of that and uh, have found success in life. You know, I, I mean, I was really close to failing. I mean, you you were very close, but you mm-hmm. you've got goals though, right? Now, Let's hear about your goals. I want to hear about your goals. Uh oh. My goals, man. I don't even know. You got I, I so many I, options. I'm so proud I mean, of you. Just, I mean, just I, because of the options that you have that you want to do. Right. Like, I think my favorite one with you that we've talked about is that you want to be an MMA fighter, man. Yeah. And I think I think that would. I mean, you would love that. You know yeah. I well, I love martial arts, man. It's a beautiful thing, you know. And uh, like you said, I grew up. I grew up fighting a lot. And uh, whenever I was like, well, you know, whenever I was real young, I did Taekwondo. And I love that dude, and I was really good at it. And that was the first time I seen that, like, okay, maybe I could, maybe I could be a real, like, coordinated athlete, you know. And um, then I quit doing that. And then whenever I was like fifteen, that's whenever I first started, you know, selling drugs and started really getting in trouble. That's whenever Crystal put me in boxing and Pearl Boxing Club. Yeah. I was really good at that dude. And that's whenever I, that's whenever I really started understanding the virtue of martial arts. Dude, I'd love to see you in the octagon, man. And me too. Me too. I just uh, I got some things I got to figure out first. You know, I'm trying yeah, to get some things right. Like you say, I have goals and everything, but um, I would say my only goal really is to just be a good man and to just you know be able to be a pillar for those around me. You know, it's a good goal. Yeah, if somebody needs me, be able to do it for them. I don't really. Everything in between is just you know here and there. Whether I'm a personal trainer or a mixed martial artist or a tattoo artist or you know I just want to make it. I want to be comfortable and I want to be able to take care of those around me. Yeah. You know, and I want I want my family name. You know, for the longest, the Gallagher's have been I know. shameless and yeah. Let me you tell know, you, something. I'm working very hard to clear the Gallagher name. But yeah, it's hard to saying. do with the name out there with the show out there like Shameless. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's hard to. I mean, you know, and it comes up. Um, you know, with me a lot. Like, uh, the you know, I'll, uh, I'll have somebody see my last name. It's like, oh, you you must love that show Shameless. And I'm like, no, man, I lived it. I mean, you it's have like, no idea. it's like, you don't know. It's it like, hurts my feelings twice. They lit, that show. Like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the creator and writer is an associate of ours. Got to be. And all they did was change the location of the city and the names, the first names of the people involved in the show. No, really. If y'all have yeah. never seen Shameless, it is like it's, spooky it, accurate. It is very spooky you don't, accurate. You don't know that their last name is Gallagher at first. So I'm watching it. I'm like, wow, this really hits close to home. It, it I really did. relate to this awesome show. I love it. And then you find out their last name was Gallagher. And yeah. I felt personally attacked. I did bro. too. Like, wow. I was that's like, crazy. Oh, man. The junkie mama and the alcoholic daddy. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. And then, but, before the Shameless came out, I, I got so sick of people asking me if I had my Sledgeomatic. Do you know what that is? A what? You wouldn't know. It's like that's from like the seventies, eighties generation. It's like he was a comedian, and his stick was he. Uh, oh, the watermelon. Yeah, guy. the watermelon guy. Yeah, he'd yeah, come yeah. out with a watermelon. The first three rows would have plastic in front of them. Yeah, and he would smash fruit and vegetables all over them. Yeah, so that was what Gallagher's were like, first. Hey, yeah. John, did you bring your sledgehammer? I'm like, no, it's in the truck. Let me go get it. And now they're like, John, did you oh, bring your? Jesus, <laughs> did you bring your needle? Yeah, it's like uh, you not getting, funny. Yeah, it's like, are you getting any royalties off of Shameless? And right. Like, oh, 
probably should sue the pants off of Showtime. I swear. No, that's crazy. But Regina, yes, you were right. Nana was a very special lady, man. She was truly an angel on earth. She could find the good in anybody. And um, whenever I was at my worst, I sure do miss her. Whenever I, whenever I really was at my worst, and whenever I didn't have a regard for the future for myself, mm-hmm. she was, she was the main. You know, like I, yeah. I got to do good for Nana. I cannot disappoint yeah. my Nana. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And even now, that's probably for the longest. That's why I kept my head on straight. Yeah. Nana's watching me. You know, yeah. she would be so disappointed. I think about that a lot. Nana would be so disappointed right now. Yeah. That's that conviction you feel when you're about to do something bad. It's like, mm. Well, I mean, it feels good to look around and I'm taking care of myself and I'm eating yeah. good. And I'm, she would be so proud of you, bro. Yeah, it feels I'm good. I'm telling you, and she's so that. proud of you. I know that. She, she, I could hear her right now. He's got a car and a job. He graduated high school. She'd be bragging on you on that, what was it, Bullseye Radio? Yeah. You know, she'd be bragging on you. Yeah. And Bailey too. All of y'all. You yeah. Know, all of y'all. Brody I'm proud too. of every one of us, man. I am too. I'm Andrew, super proud of Andrew and Bailey. Andrew and Bailey are another are another great reason why I didn't, you know, go off the deep end. Yeah, because like I, I imagine that after, you know, uh Well seeing us all go through that and then yeah. Andrew, you know, he's in the he military. Had to step up. Yeah. yeah, Andrew's in the military and he has a beautiful family. Yeah. Okay, that's number one. Bailey, mm-hmm. she graduates, she's a cop. She has a beautiful family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm the next one up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I can't blow it. I'm not going to be the one to blow it. You, you know see, what I'm that, saying? You, you have no idea. Let me tell you something. Like, when um, the day I got arrested, and, um, you know, it was the day I was going to commit suicide. We've talked about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I told you about the full on deliverance. I went through in the cell and then going through prison. Like, right. when I was going through prison, a lot, something that I prayed for every day was to have my family restored to me. And I didn't know how that was possible i didn't know what to do i didn't you know i didn't even think it was possible i just figured you know if anything i'd you know they would prosper they would be fine without me and you know i would you know the lord would provide another family for me and i'd get another shot at it so when i got out of prison you know it was a big goal of mine to just find a way to reconnect with y'all man because i knew i'd i'd really just broken those bonds in between all of us and the, um, you know the, you know, the Lord spoke it to me. It's like you just keep your eyes on me and stick with me. Keep doing what I, you know. Be obedient to me, and and I'll add all that unto you. And then, and sure enough, man, you know it took a few years, but I did exactly what He wanted. I was obedient to Him, and one by one, y'all started coming back into my life. And it, and it's not like I see y'all every day or anything. We don't even talk every day or anything. But but y'all literally have accepted me back you know into the family really well all of us were kind of on our own way you know? yeah me yeah. and andrew and bailey we mm-hmm. all hadn't really talked in a couple years mm-hmm. as you know just us you know so yeah. um i mean you you get you coming out of the dirt kind of brought us all together yeah in a way you know and look let me tell you something man it is my it is my hope and my dream and it's, it's something that i pray for all the time is that you know all of us are going to be sitting at a table eating dinner together one one table for me it'll be me you bailey big bailey little bailey caleb andrew brody and uh, as a family and having dinner some and, and you know and then to me that, that'll be just a miracle in itself you yeah know? and uh, i know it's going to happen i just know it you know it may, may it might not be in the next six months might not be in the next five years but eventually it's going to happen yeah i just know it and uh, I do talk to y'all. I mean, we do talk. We communicate. You know, we actually have a little Facebook chat 
you know, where I'm trying, I was trying to get together. Well, we, we're also busy now. Yeah, everybody's so busy. You know, it's, it's, it's not because y'all don't want to. It's not just for like, sure, but it's like, you know, I mean, I think about know, 10 years ago whenever we I weren't mean, talking. Look, and, let me tell you how excited I get when you call me. You know, I, when my phone rings and, and your name pops up, it's just like I never, it's like a little miracle in itself every time. It's like I never thought that, you know, he would be calling me. Yeah. You know? But, um, and those are all, and you know, those are all separate stories in themselves. And it's like every time it happens, it's just like, wow, man, this is so cool. So restoration is possible for you. You know, I mean, it's like, um, you know, going to the, the, uh, the actual topic of the show is like what it's about is that no matter, you know, no matter how far out there you are, no matter what you've done, you know, sure, you've hurt people. Sure, you've, you, you've done whatever you've done, but restoration is possible. Yeah. And uh, you let me pick the name for the podcast. The, I did. What's the name of the podcast? The, the Virtue of Forgiveness. There's a, there's, a, there's a reason I wanted to name it that. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I found a virtue in forgiveness. You know, being able to not hold on to Because like I said, you know, I, I held I held Mama Dine against her for the longest. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I had my very own victim mentality. Yeah. And um, I didn't forgive her, you know. Yeah. I, I probably hated her, you know. To be honest, you probably had a lot of anger toward her. I mean, I, got, I, I mean, bro, it. I mean, yeah. you. I, every time I thought about her, I would get upset. Yeah. I would get mad whenever I thought about her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't believe that she, like, she had the audacity to die. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I got you. Like, I was so, I was so mad at her. You know, and I, the idea of forgiving her or forgiving you or forgiving anybody else in my past was just like, it, it, it made me feel weak. Yeah, you know, I, I can't forgive you. You yeah. know, and um, forgiving you. You were the first person I ever forgave ever in my life. Really? Yeah. How'd and, that uh, feel? You feel yeah. After all this time, it feels um, I'm a new person. Yeah. I'm a new person. I don't, um, I'm, my emotions are in check. Yeah. I don't, um, I mean, even beyond all that, though, I, I found solace with my mother and her situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the virtue of forgiveness is um, you forgive somebody and you and you let go of a lot of anguish and animosity and grief, grief. and hate and I mean you let go of all that and you feel like you're you're a whole new person you know yeah. you feel lighter and the world around you feels better you know yeah it uh, ever ever since I I did grieve her not too long ago I was I was had to go out in the woods and sit by a river and you know meditate for a little while but it finally hit me that I missed her yeah and that I love her you yeah. know, and then I do really forgive her. And uh, that was me being able to forgive her and feel that way is through you, you know. And now I know I love her. Yeah. I love her and I miss her and I just want to make her proud, you know. I don't need to tell you this, but that all comes from Jesus, buddy. Yeah, well. Yeah. But anyway, so another thing I wanted to ask is, like, where did you get that title from, The Virtue of Forgiveness? Did you- I was watching Birdman. A movie? I was, yeah, Birdman. Uh, <laughs> it's called Birdman, the unexpected virtue of uh, ignorance. Of ignorance. So you just flopped it out. For Pretty much, yeah. Speaking of audacity. And I was like, well, hey, that is a virtue right there. You know, there. you were talking about, you know, she had the audacity. Let me tell you, let me tell you what really, the one thing that, uh, well, I mean, something that hurt me more than anything was uh, going back to uh, the events of her passing was that dude that was with her had the audacity to let her die after your mother and I saved his life three months before that. Yeah. And just left her. Man, that dude had some audacity. I mean, that the audacity of that. How dare well, hey, you? you know, that's all grief and, and animosity right that there. That took a long time for me to forgive that and let go of. A yeah. long time. Yeah. And I did. I did have to forgive him. 
and I did have to let that go. And uh, and and like you said, like um, you know, there there is a freedom and forgiveness. That for real. Whenever you hold on to something like yeah. that. I mean, like like you, you know, you asked me how long did it take to, you know, after you took that money, how long did it take to forgive you? Like, man, the whole time after that, I was just angry. Yeah. Anytime I thought about you, it was like, I hope I see this dude. Yeah. You know, and it's just that's not a good way to feel. Right. And you can only feel that way for so long before you start becoming bitter yeah. and depressed and hating yeah. your life and becoming one of those miserable people that nobody mm-hmm. wants to be around. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, um, you're letting that you're letting that 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 uh, incident live rent free in your in your mind, right? And, you know, right? And it just eats you up, you know. Yeah, no, for real. No. All right, look, let's uh, just wrap this up, Jacob. Um, man, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for uh, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for allowing me back into your life. It really mean it, it really meant the world to me. Um, you know. Well, I appreciate you for getting it all together. You know. Yeah. If you didn't, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. Lord knows, man. Yeah, and that's that's to all the other junkies out there. You feel like you can't do nothing for nobody. I felt like you couldn't do nothing for, for me for the longest, you know. And uh, as a man, it feels really good to be able to I'm – sh- I'm sure it felt really good whenever I called you and you was able to help me out. I'm sure that was a great feeling. Well, it was uh, – it was a blessing. Yeah. It was truly a blessing from the Lord, and um, I give all the glory to God on that, bro. Yeah. I truly do. And, um, yeah, so I will, uh, I guess we'll wrap this up. Dan, uh, any final thoughts, Jacob? Final thoughts? Um, not necessarily, no. I think that, I think that mm-hmm. yeah, I'm starting. There is restoration for the broken. There is restoration for... For you that is in darkness, if you've got some, um, if you, if you are holding on to any unforgiveness or um, any animosity towards somebody, if there's somebody out there that's lost an addiction that you uh, that you are having some ill feelings toward, you know, just a there, victim. Yeah, just there's there's freedom in forgiveness, and uh, you know, have that conversation with them. You know, try to it, it might pull them out of the darkness and addiction. You know that's that's what it's all about is going these black sheep podcasts or or you know to to bring awareness to to you know those that are not just in the darkness but the ones that are affected by the ones that are in the darkness and are in that bondage. Yeah. You know, you might think, you know, okay, so I mean, you're a you're a drug addict and you think you're just hurting yourself, but you're not. You're hurting all all the people that love and care about you. Right. But um, you know, it, it's time to it's time to put that needle down. It's time to put that pipe down. It's 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 time to go go home. It's time to go home to your family. It's time to return to God. It's time to, you know, it's, it's time to bring that family back together. Yeah, and, for, and for those that are like me, you know, I uh, I guess I would just have to say if you if you got somebody that you looked up to for a long time and they're just not doing right, you know, you um, it's gonna hurt. You know, and you can't save everybody, but don't give up yeah. that hope. Do not give up that hope. Don't give up that hope. You know, you know the person do that what you've you seen. Do what you can and be the best person you can and do everything you can for that person. That's right. You know, but live and let live and make sure you're always ready to accept because you can't save everybody. That's right. You know? Amen. Anything, Danny? Man, this is real, bro. This is real. <laughs> I mean, some hard stuff was discussed today. Some hard things, some hard feelings were... Uh, uh, we're laid out on the table, man. This is real. This is what this is all about. This is what the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare is. This is what it's all, about, is all bro. about. This is good stuff today, man. It's good yeah. stuff. Appreciate you.
All right. All right. Welcome to the Awakened Collective. Oh. <laughs> that's a that's that, a wrong one right there. There we go. <laughs>